You're listening to The Sidebar by NYABJ, a show about the world of media through the lens of Black media makers. I'm Katherine Jones. Every year, magazine readers await the September issue, a pinnacle of fashion trend forecasts, glamorous editorials, and exclusive covers. But is the decline of the print industry a threat to this time-honored tradition? In a multi-part series, we explore the state of fashion periodicals. We start with a historical perspective, with a media vet and a visual arts historian. Hello, I am OJ Williams, and I am the founder of TheNocturnal.com. Hello, my name is Jonathan Michael Square. I go by he, him pronouns, and um, I'm a historian, writer, and curator, and my technical position is assistant professor of Black visual culture, and I teach at Parsons. Tell me a little bit more about your career journey. How did we get here? Oh, God. (laughs) Where do I start? Oh, wow. Well, should I say how we met? <laughs> is, is, is For those personal... who don't know, we met in the Hallow Halls, what calls the fashion closet of Marie Claire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and funny enough, most of the other interns were undergrads, and I was a grad student. And I moved to New York to go to grad school, and I studied history, I have a PhD in history. And in the middle of doing a PhD, I realized I don't necessarily want to become a historian. I think I want to like work in the fashion industry, like at a magazine or for a designer. And so all my friends in fashion were like, well, the first thing you have to do is like start doing the internships. And so I was a full-time grad student and I was also doing internships, one of which was Mary Claire, where I met Catherine. And... <laughs> And I did a few other internships. I interned at Fashionista. I interned at Refinery29. I interned at a now defunct fashion brand. Um, and then I realized a lot of the problems that I, I found in academia also exist in the fashion industry because those problems are just endemic to our society. <laughs> There's no escape from them. You know, like you, in every field, you're going to find isms. So I went, I retreated back to academia, and now my focus is um, sort of Black fashion, Black art, Black visual culture. Um, I write, I teach on those topics. Um, yeah, I'm at Parsons right now. Um, it was kind of something I, I kind of fell into. I started off in... 2015, actually, I had a love for photography is actually what brought me to magazines. I, when I was 15, I asked my mom for a camera and I just loved taking photos. And I was like this kid at school who was always taking everyone's photo. And then, you know, eventually that led me to work for the school newspaper. And then I was local working. My dad got me a job starting at at a local paper in Queens. And I was their photographer. And then, you know, we just, we love a spiral moment. We love, a, a, you know, things just spiral. And then from there, we were doing a piece on the Source magazine back in 2005. And we went up there to interview the editor-in-chief at the time. And then I was, you know, very curious about the Source. And 
the way, you know, so funny the way life works. I was working with my, the following year, I was working with my aunt, Erica Ford, who's a, an amazing philanthropist and does a lot of stuff to help the people of New York. Um, and she, after working with her for like a few months, she had placed all the kids that were working with her at different jobs within media. Um, and she placed me at the source and it was like, it was like a, you know, a full, you know, like comeback moment where I was like, oh, I was here interviewing them like the previous year. And I got an internship there when I was 17 years old. Um, and then I ended up staying there until about 23 years old. So I got to do, I started off as an intern there and I just worked my way up to become an editor and I've worked in every single department there from advertising to photo production to styling to writing. I really just got to do it all. And it was like, do it all on such a big um, stage was a, a, an amazing, crazy opportunity. And what was this unexpected, I guess, grunt work you experienced, whether as an intern or whether towards entry level that you are glad that you you know were able to do and you feel like you didn't realize how vital it was to the final product until later. I mean, there's, you know, making a magazine is so much detail that goes into it. Like, um, you know, there is a, there's a reason why it really takes a big team to put these books together. Um, I've, I've made, I've made hundreds of print books at this point in my life. Um, I've worked on o over. Yeah. I mean, I can't even, you know, count how many print magazines my my name has been in at this point. Um, but it's it really is a lot. Like and I I I know I can make these magazines now with my eyes closed, but uh, in the beginning you don't realize how much work and detail goes into it, how many times you need to proofread and copy edit. Um the photo shoots and getting all that stuff done is just so much work and it's just it's a lot of work all the back and forth you go on with the the cover stars the celebrities that you go back and forth getting models for the fashion editorial pages and that process finding the photographers negotiating contracts um staying in budget there's a lot that goes into magazines the placement of the ads in the book and you know making sure all the ads are placed properly um, it's just a lot to go over and keep up with. And in all your years, what has been your favorite issue to be a part of, you know, in any of the magazines you've worked at? Oh, that's, that's like a Sophie's choice. I can't, oh my goodness. Um, at, well, I'll, I'll give like pivotal issues that were big to me. Like, um, I had fought for Chris Brown to get a cover of the source and it was you know after his incident with rihanna we i wanted to have his first you know cover story explaining his side and just even that process alone um dealing with all the attorneys involved his attorneys our attorneys like the you know the record label just everything that it took just to get that cover to to happen and for you know for us to be the the people that tell his story for the first time um that was uh important to me um and then having um with at with zendaya giving zendaya when i worked on the um jones magazine giving zendaya her first cover was like a big thing and her you know her first photo shoot with her now 
that you know creative director and styles law um so putting that together was amazing being Zendaya's first cover and seeing how she's progressed is amazing and then even with working with Ebony having Chadwick Boseman on the cover his last solo cover before his tragic passing um and just now knowing you know looking back and seeing like you know the signs of like you know now realizing he was sick during that time and um and then him being so grateful and realizing why he was so grateful so all those moments i'm super appreciative and um and look back on with like fond eyes and so you're working on the nocturnal which has it's a website and has a a digital like book and everything so how has how have you seen the creative process change you know from your you know, doing the source and now you're doing um, the nocturnal. So what is, what has changed for you um, in terms of how the, what the industry now requires? Um, you know, when I first got into the magazine game, you know, everything was print, print, print. Websites were kind of uh, an afterthought at the time. Um, so it's, and it, but now it's like the main thought. So it's so interesting to see that for going from like everything being the focus, you know, everyone's goal was print. Like you, you wanted to be on print, like you had to be. In and then like website was like, oh, whatever, you know, like it was just kind of like, like no one was thinking about it or cared for it, but now it's like all we look at. So it's, it's so funny to me to think back to that time where it was just like all we, all, everyone wanted it was print. Every time the artist called, every time anyone was trying to be in the source, they were, they were trying to be print. Same thing when I was at Ebony Magazine. It was just like everyone wanted to be in the book, um, so it's so interesting. So interesting to see now that that's how it is now with the websites. Do you think that newer generations and newer professionals are going to see that same glory in fashion editors and directors that was once had, given these new avenues of media, from social media to uh, influencer marketing and things like that? I don't know. I feel like. The role of the magazine editor has shaped the way we understand a career in fashion. And I don't think it's going to go away, for better or worse. There's some things that should go away about it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's going to be influencers and social media people and people who sort of make their way into the industry through that route. But I, I don't think the magazine world is going away. I still think the way people traditionally think about a career in fashion journalism is through magazines. And I think people will still consider that an option of breaking into the industry. Mm -hmm. And so speaking of the editor, who is somebody um, who has greatly made an impact, you think, on fashion magazines as a whole? Um, someone that has really kind of set the stage for uh, who we have today running magazines? Oh, there are a lot of people. I'm not sure where to start. I mean, the the most obvious person would be Edward Innifull, Um, just because he was born and bred in the magazine world. Um, and also what I like about Edward Innifull is that he's an image maker. He's really a creative and like the the realest sense of the word, um, it's, it's not necessarily about commerce or profit. It's about creating a beautiful image. 
And so I'll have to say um, Edward Inningful. Um, there is a journalist who for a long time was at Essence. I think she might be a cosmopolitan now, but her name is Julie Wilson. Um, I think she's had a major impact in the industry. Um, I would have to say um, I'm a big fan of Marjan Carlos who is an independent journalist, freelance journalist, an influencer, um, but also worked at Vogue for a number of years. Um, and I think she um, has had a really important impact in the industry. Um, I'm forgetting the name of the editor-in-chief of Harper's, Samir Nazir. <laughs> Samir Nazir, I think is a really important person. Um, I like Laura Brown. Um, I think she has always injected a sense of like humor and quirkiness um, and self-deprecating humor into um, the fashion world, which I think there needs to be more of. Um, I'm forgetting the name of the editor of The Gentlewoman. <laughs> but I think she brings a, a level of um, intellectualism into fashion journalism and magazines that I really appreciate. So there are a lot of people. I could, I could probably rattle off another 10 names. I mean, Andre Leontali, of course, opened the doors for a lot of like black fashion journalists. Um, there's there's so many people, so many um, foremothers and forefathers and poor people. I love how when you're mentioning these people, you know, you think of them as iconic and you think of them, I guess, to put them in the lens of today, even though this is a term that has existed, influencers, right? these people created a culture, they really set the trends in their eyes. And, you know, we're looking at their vision in a creative direction. Is there anything that you either have noticed in your research or in creating your own uh, visual content of signature style that really stands out to you? Oh, wow. I think what I would say is an overall trend that I'm noticing um, in the creation of fashion content is that it's moving away from super stylized curated images to more informal sort of day in the life vloggy mm -hmm. style images. Uh, I think, I think there's a reaction against the sort of um, curated Instagram feed and people sort of want to be a little more loose and informal. I think it's the difference between social media 1.0 versus social media 2.0. 1.0 would be like Facebook, Instagram, um, MySpace, like platforms like that. And I think people are moving more towards um, TikTok, Twitch, Be Real, Discord, which are a little more informal. Um, so I would say that's that's what I would say is a major shift in like the creation of fashion imagery. I know there was a lot, there was a, a, Vogue, a number of Vogue features this summer of like fashion people on vacation. And instead of like them hiring, hiring professional photographers to follow these people on their vacations, they just had the person take iPhone photos and they published those photos. And of course now all of us are used to becoming like little roving photographers most of us are decent photographers. If you know the look, you can sort of recreate the look with an iPhone. You know, iPhones have 
high resolutions. So it's easy to sort of recreate a um a nice looking fashion image. So that's what I would say. And do you think like we're gonna see does that mean there's gonna be more, I guess, younger or not necessarily as renowned photographers taking the photos that we're going to be seeing in whether it's editorials or even you know on the marketing side or you still think there's room for those photographers with the career-long um, accolades that are going to be making these images that we're going to be seeing i think the field of photography has become democratized thanks to social media so back in the day and by back in the day i mean like the 90s or early 2000s <laughs> uh you know people really leaned heavily on annie Leibowitz and stephen meisel and peter Lindbergh and sort of those big name photographers and those people are still around and of course they're, they're younger photographers that are of that caliber like um the photographer of the recent september issue of vogue rafael pavarotti um, but I also think there's it's opened up social media has opened up space for like younger, less seasoned um, photographers. And I think those types of folks are getting pulled into creating fashion imaging more and more, which I think is positive. Interesting. So what else have you been noticing about the people who now encompass the masthead, right? Or the websites of these fashion um, outlets? I think there's a lot, there's not many people left from the old print guard, you know. Um, now people coming into this is with um, digital and marketing background. The next, you know, I think the next wave of people are it's like, oh, you know, it's, it's TikTok, it's social media. Like people, I think it's, it went from print to, it went from print to website and then now to social media. Like people are like, oh, can I get featured on Instagram? Can I get featured on your TikTok page? So it's so it's so interesting to see the 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 mediums change. The people still want to be featured, and that process is still the same, but the mediums are changing. Given the current state of media, um, do you think it's possible for young media makers today to gain those skills needed to be a creative director? Um, you know, through these avenues that are becoming more popular, TikTok. Um, social media in general, or you know, do they very much need that same print background, or you know, a little print background, or being involved in a school organization or something to kind of see the gist of how to run a magazine, how to you know create a shoot, how to get that creative flow going, get that versatility, see you know what it takes to truly make something artistic the way that magazines are known for. Um, yeah, so I feel like kids today, um, it's so interesting, even the word creative director means it's like ever evolving word of like, you know, I think that the definition of creative director is like changing constantly. Um, and people love to just, I kind of throw it out there and use it. Um, and, and also like if the word creative director means different things at different jobs and different uh, mediums. Um, but for today, for the kids today that are coming up and have an interest in being the creative world, being in the magazine world, um, and by magazine world, you know, the website world or just whatever. Um, yeah, they, 
think they should, you know, learn out of magazine. I think they should, you know, have that education. Um, they because they have to learn it from somewhere. And you know, you with our job, and I'm, you know this firsthand, is you know you learn. It's best to learn on the job. You know, there's no education that can really like teach you better than being at the place. You know, and our in our industry internships are so valuable. Um. Because you can really see like what's happening and how this process works. I think the first thing everyone learns is that it's not very glamorous, and it's a lot of hard and very grunty type of work. Um, and then you know, I think the audience as a whole they they just see these beautiful images and this beautiful magazine of how you know that just flows, and they have no clue like the blood, sweat, and tears it takes to like put these books together. Um, but I think it would be valuable for the new generation to, of course, learn that process as well, just so they have it. Um, and then, you know, once, because it's, it's still around, it still exists, when that process no longer exists and it's fully gone, then the the, the young kids won't need to learn it. And you said you've been in pretty much all roles. Um, let's talk again about magazines from an advertising perspective. What was kind of the process like when you had to, uh, promote a new issue back then? Um, it's so funny. That process is very much still the same. Like, the advertising process of how, like, that media buying works is still very much uh, the same. It's just where people spend money is differently. Before, people spent a ton of money on print, and now they're just putting it at first, and then it went to websites, and now it's on social media. Most people's budgets are going to social and influencers and that kind of stuff. But in regards to promotion, um, back in the day when you were promoting a print issue, you might there might have been a commercial or you know there might have been um, some kind of like billboard or you know like new issue on stand now um, or like even just an ad in the newspaper. But like how you, you know how you promote now is just social media which is, uh, you know, it's so much easier and, you know, it's so much more cost-effective to just be able to promote to your fans directly on social media. So it's, it's so funny to me when I think about how we used to promote a magazine, like, oh, we're going to go, call, you know, we're going to go to Good Morning America today and promote the magazine or do this morning show on the news. And I'm like, I'm like, uh, I have to get up and do the morning show. So it's so different now. It's like, oh, no, everyone just posts on their social media at the same time and there we go. We promote it. Yeah, we're definitely seeing not only the magazines themselves be involved in the promotion, but like because of social media, now the cover stars can play more of a role as well. And then we get all this cool extra content that is an extension of the cover on these digital outlets. I have to say I'm, I'm a fan of it. I love getting behind the scenes, like seeing the backstory behind the shoot. Like I'm thinking about the recent Vogue September issue and how there was a whole social media rollout of not only the cover, but like behind the scenes video of the shoot, but also like a podcast with the writer of the story and interviews with Naomi and then Evangelista and Cindy Crawford. Um, so I'm kind of into it, but also like, I'm a geriatric millennial. And so I, I like consuming fashion in that way. And there might be people who want something that's a little more less glossy 
let's edit it. Um, I'm a fan of a digital cover. I don't know. I like when there's multiple options, like the, the actual cover, but also like you see the alternative covers as well. Also like the animated covers that they're creating too. I'm a fan of those. It kind of reminds me of iTunes. Or iTunes doesn't exist anymore. Apple Music. <laughs> Apple Music, the album covers actually sometimes move too. So I don't know. It, it, I think there's, I like the dynamism of it. I like having sort of different forms of media related to a cover and the cover shoot. So we've spoken about diversifying skill sets and mediums, but we haven't yet spoken about the changing faces in the magazine industry, right? So what do you think of the numbers when it comes to race and ethnicity and gender so far? Um, I think every faith and medium needs a, you know, a well-rounded view. Um, I think the problem with that space for a long time is that it was just white, white, white. And, you know, that's not who's, you know, it's not just white, white, white who's consuming that. So I think as Black people, we've always played a big part in fashion. It's important for us to have space in the room and to be in those spaces to help speak to the people who are reading it, which is not just white people, it's also people of color. Um, so it's important that we get in the rooms so of people, it reflects the audience that's consuming what you know they're that they're putting they're putting out you know i'm I'm seeing small changes here and there, and you know I'm happy to see change um I think there needs to be a lot more I think things are getting a little better I think things need to there needs to be some radical changes um you know there's a lot of lip service being paid to diversity. And of course, I, I do think where there's been a, a major shift is seeing more racial diversity, age diversity, body diversity, um, in terms of like casting of models. But again, that's just like one layer of diversity. Like you need black writers, you need black editors, you need black administrators, you need black people buying the magazine. You know what I mean? Like it needs to be sort of multifaceted in that way. It's not just a matter of sticking Naomi Campbell on the cover. It has to happen at all levels. Um, so I have noticed slight shifts, at least in terms of fashion media. Um, I'm a big fan of um, Gabriella Carrica Johnson. That's someone else I would add when you when you ask me about. Um, Black editors who are making an impact in the industry. I would also add Gabriella. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot more that needs to happen, but there are there are small shifts, and so I want to sort of push for those small shifts to become big shifts. It's it's so great to see the push for diversity. I worked for Conley Nath myself, and back in um, I want to say 2018. Um, and there was, it was not as diverse yet, you know, it was getting there. So to, to see it now, like to Edward Interval, who's, you know, who is now stepping down as editor-in-chief of, of British folk, but to see people like him, you know, him, like, be such, take, you know, take such a big role in the Connie Nath company is amazing. Um, that, you know, and even every, Teen Vogue has been really great about having diverse editor-in-chiefs and, 
now you have Lindsay's also now at the cut and um so there's a lot of diversity that's been happening and it's very exciting to see see different point of views exactly so i want to pivot into the consumerism around magazines that really determines its future right so there's all this talk about the magazine industry dying right but what about it was so unique that it was able to grab your attention that might be able to grasp these new generations of media consumers and ultimately stay in the game i, I think it's the tactile experience um I, you know there's always a lot of conversations around the survival of the magazine industry or fashion magazine industry and i do think it is a waning industry especially with social media and online publications but i don't think it's ever going to go away i think people just love holding an object in their hand um and i, I think that's what i like about magazines um i mean i consume a lot of media online in fact i would say most of the media that i consume nowadays are, is online but I still buy magazines. Um, and I have a project called Fashioning the Self and Slavery and Freedom. And that project is mainly online. Like it's, it's mainly on social media, but I also published a zine inspired by that online project. And, you know, I've sold hundreds, hundreds of copies of it. So I'm not the only person who, who likes that tactile experience of holding paper in her hand. What do you remember most about turning the pages and like either or going to whether you went to Barnes and Noble or a newsstand, um, you know, how did you consume magazines back then? Or oh, you now? I, oh, yeah, I still do now. I'm magazine obsessed. I love magazines. I think it's mainly because magazines are in my DNA. Um, but I just, I, I'm obsessed. Like, I love, I just, I love the whole magazine process. Like, especially in September, like, watching it. And I'm, you know, I'm into fashion. And uh, I love watching everyone's, like, seeing it and see everyone's september covers i love seeing like opening the magazine and seeing all the new like fall campaigns and i just i just gorge it i just love it um just like oh who got the september cover of vogue or l and like oh oh you know just seeing like waiting to see who got that and like and um and then seeing who's in all the new campaigns it's just, I, as, a, as a lover of magazine and fashion it i just love that whole process do you remember picking up your first magazine? Ooh, wow. Well, I would have to say probably the first magazines that I encountered um, was Ebony, Jet, and Essence. Like, those were the magazines that my family always had a subscription to, and they, they always were on the coffee tables. And it wasn't later that I started perusing sort of more mainstream fashion glossies. But the the first magazines that I encountered were sort of from Johnson Publishing, in essence. And do you buy the physical magazine still, or you get? Oh yeah, I I go to Barnes and Nobles. I go to I like to go to like your local. There's a few shops here in New York that are still dedicated strictly to magazines. Um, I will go there and spend uh, a very hefty penny on all the September issues. Um. Just because I, I love magazines and I, I love to take them home and because I just love to consume them and see all the new editorials and um, it's like, I love that stuff. And do you have any recommendations on where to go get them in New York? Oh my goodness. Um, 
Yes. There's a couple of magazine shops I go to. Um, there's like, there's two in Soho. Um, there's one in Midtown on like 36th street between, um, between like Broadway and, uh, and, uh, fifth Avenue, I believe. And then there's a couple, I'm trying to, figure, I'm trying to figure out, um, let me see if I can get the address for you guys and pardon the noise in the back. This is in New York city. Um, Let's see. There's a, and there's a bookstore in Soho I go to a while. I think it's on Mercer. Um, I'm one of those people where I I know where to go. I might not know what it's called, but um, bookstore in Soho. Um, is it McNally? Yes. Um, uh, McNally Books is one of my favorite places to go. McNally Jackson Books in Soho. Go there. They will have all the magazines you need and some amazing books as well. Amazing. So thank you so much for your insight into the state of magazines and how fashion media is responding to this new digital era, right? So we're going to continue this series on fashion magazines in the coming weeks. And thank you to OJ Williams and Jonathan Square for being our introduction to more to come. Well, I can't wait to see the whole series. Congrats. I'm excited to hear from more, you know, industry stakeholders and people in the industry who are doing interesting things and fighting for change in the fashion industry, which I think is really important. The Sidebar is a production of the Greater New York Chapter of the National Association of Black Journalists. The opinions heard in this episode belong to the individuals who expressed them, and not to NYABJ. The music in our show theme is by Holes in the Raps, and I'm Katherine Jones. Subscribe now to join us for more conversations and industry insights, straight from the source.